What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the West Side Sports Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dakota Ezri. If this is your guys' first time listening to the show, welcome. This podcast free and available on all major recording platforms with podcasts coming out four to five days a week. Today's podcast is going to be centered upon the game that it was last night. I have some takeaways. I have some insight on what I'm seeing from the Denver organization as well as the Chargers. Uh, we have a Mariners section as covered some information that in a conversation that happened between Brock and Salk with Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times this morning. I have takeaways from the Pete Carroll show that happened yesterday with Brock and Salk. Again, if you guys have not already, if you enjoy this podcast and the overall content, please subscribe and leave a rating. That would help me out a ton. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. In a sloppy defensive-based game between the LA Chargers and then the Denver Broncos last night, there were plenty of takeaways to be had. Denver is an absolute mess when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. The lack of coordination is very apparent when it comes down to the offensive line blocking schemes or either not being instructed correctly or quite frankly, quite frankly, excuse me, the depth is a primary concern. Receiving routes are inconsistent to say the least. Frustration is at an all-time high in Denver. There is no chemistry between Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton, which is a massive problem that will need to be addressed here sooner than later. Also, Jerry Judy was able to haul in three receptions for a team-high 54 yards, but when you have literally your receiver, who should be by all other accounts your number two receiver or number one, depending upon what system and scheme you run, Jerry Judy is incredibly talented. Cortland Sutton is incredibly talented. They have plenty of weapons for this team. What it comes down to, honestly, at the end of the day, is that Russell Wilson just needs to play better football. I'm not trying to sign a Russell Wilson. I'm going to talk a ton about Russell here in this section today. Um, based on what I saw last night on the interactions between him and his teammates. But uh, the record speaks for itself, ladies and gentlemen. The Denver Broncos are 2-4 and four after trading for Russell Wilson, giving away five draft picks, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, and Drew Locke. Something has to, to give, unfortunately, when it comes to the Denver offense and the Denver Broncos in general. And unfortunately, it seems as though the moment seemed too big for head coach Nathaniel Hackett. Whether or not they need to play a new, whether or not they need to implement a new play caller on offense or simply a team meeting to address the state of the locker room, whatever needs to happen, it needs to happen sooner than later. That's a fact. It's... Um, I almost feel genuinely bad for Russell and this team right now. A lot of people are going to say, oh, well, you've been talking at length and nauseam about how um, you're, you know, stoked about how the Denver Broncos has been struggling. Well, yeah, the reason why I am stoked about this, in a sense, is due to the fact that the, the Seahawks are literally reaping the benefits of a poor start to the season for Denver. If the draft were to happen today, which obviously it doesn't, um, the Seattle Seahawks would host, would have the number seven draft pick as well as the, I believe that's 7 and 14, I believe right now. It could be higher. It changes every week, obviously. Things are still early in the season, and that's due to fluctuate throughout the course of the season. But um, I couldn't help but notice that Russell Wilson just looks off in almost every fashion possible. His deep ball doesn't quite look right. When he was running the ball, he really has to labor on those read options to get that ball moving and then get those legs churning. And if I'm uh, Denver, I'm panicking. I am legitimately panicking. A lot of people are asking, you know, is it too early to start having the conversation if does Denver keep Russell Wilson past the two years? And a lot of people are also asking, well, why are you bringing up two years? He signed a, con- a contract extension. He did, but he's on a two years of the previous deal from Seattle before the cap hit doubles to over $50 million right now. I believe it's about $27 million 
But the Rust, uh, the Denver Broncos, excuse me, have some serious decisions to to be had. I think Hackett's a good offensive coordinator. I don't think the play calls are bad. There's no execution. The offensive line is in shambles. They lost their fifth player this year. Their starting linebacker. Uh, to a torn ACL. Russell Wilson has a hamstring injury that he is getting an MRI on, and it could be serious. It sounds like Ian Rappaport on the Pat McAfee show this morning uh, stated uh, that it was going to be a day-to-day kind of thing for Russell Wilson. And if I'm Denver, I think they have like Brett Ripien or uh, Ripien. I don't know how to say his last name. Excuse me for that. But uh, he already has the torn lap muscle. Now he's dealing with this hamstring issue. Does Denver sit Russell? Do they try and make a make a statement? But how can you make the statement when you paid him two hundred and something million dollars and you traded all of this capital to get Russell Wilson? The Denver Broncos find themselves in a very sticky situation, and it's like you went out and got you know a lollipop and put it out in the sun, and then try to you know enjoy it afterwards after it melted all over the ground. And everything it ain't pretty. It really isn't. Um, and what was supposed to be the savior slash new era of Denver football with, with Russell Wilson has legitimately turned into the worst nightmare possible. We are also talking about how the his new fans in Denver are called the threes. Like he's trying to create the, the 12th man in Denver. It's cringy. It's bad. I'm honestly kind of worried what KJ Wright's going to have to say with the whole Russell thing. I guarantee he's probably going to sit look at the tape. Uh, at the all tw- at the all twenty two film that comes out for people who paid for that, I'm not one of them, but uh, it's a, it's apparent that Denver has a serious problem right now. The locker room is, I mean, uh, excuse me, the head coach Hackett is losing his his locker room. Russell Wilson does not have the trust of his teammates. It's an absolute dumpster fire. Javante Williams is gone. Tim Patrick is gone. Garrett Bowles is gone. Um, that linebacker I told you about earlier, he has a torn ACL. He's gone. Uh, there's so many players that are dropping left and right. I don't know if it sounds like when Hackett came in, he brought a brand new scheme with him and a brand new, uh, not excuse me, obviously a new scheme, but uh, new overall coaches and everything like that as well. So this is a get to know you process, and this should have been happening during the during the preseason, during the off season when Russell was traded. But it sounds like uh, that was not the case, and now Denver has some serious problems to figure out and to uh, try and mend on the, on, on the, on the uh, excuse me, if I can find a word to say there. Uh, just trying to find a way to fix and mend these problems when you're midway through a season or almost to, to the halfway point mark. They have the one of the toughest second-half schedules in all of the NFL this season. Denver is not in a great position to have success for the rest of, of, of the season. I initially guessed 10 plus wins for, for for Denver. I'd be shocked if they got eight to be the rest of the season with how hard that schedule is. The Chargers struggled to put the ball in the end zone as well, accruing only one touchdown by an Austin Eckler rushing touchdown during that game. The Chargers had a sloppy overall game plan overall. Um, Justin Herbert just kind of seems so uncomfortable, still being uh, having some issues with that rib injury, which is a bummer, especially for fantasy owners like me who have him at quarterback. But uh, Justin Herbert should be just fine. Uh, Eckler was pretty good. Sony Michelle ran really hard. Gerald Everett did drop a couple balls, did make a couple plays. Mike Williams was like taken out ex- like completely non-existent, but that was more due to Patrick Sertan. He's an incredible corner. Um, and I look for the Chargers to bounce back. And unfortunately, the Chargers do play the Seahawks this week as the Seahawks travel down to SoFi. And we'll cover more of that as we get deeper on throughout the week. Uh, transitioning from the game to a couple quick notes, and then we're going to go to the Mariners for you guys today. 
Dak Prescott has assumed and taken back the QB1 role in Dallas over Cooper Rush, and Green Bay is, quote, exploring trades for wide receivers to put around and build around Aaron Rodgers after they gave him a bunch of money and made him a historic deal in the offseason. It sounds like the Bills as well are, uh, quote, monitoring the overall trade possibility for Christian McCaffrey. Um, there's no other real insight of that at this current time. I will keep my ears down on the ground. Uh, for those who are NBA fans, NBA returns tonight. Um, see what happens with that. Sounds like a lot of people are super hyped about it. NBA, it's great when NBA is back. Baseball is in full swing. Football is in full swing. Hockey is in full swing. All the sports world, every avenue, every slice of, of, of the pie chart is filled. So uh, I'm not a big basketball fan myself. I used to be back in the day, but uh, it's just good to see that we have all avenues of sports uh, going on. If you guys want me to cover more basketball, please let me know on any social media platform possible. You can find me on Twitter at capital PNW Professor. You can also reach out to my uh, podcast on, uh, excuse me, the podcast page on Twitter at Westside Sports Pod 7. You can find me there as well. Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. And that's going to be around the world for today. Uh, I got a pretty heavy on the heart conversation when it comes to the Mariners for you guys today. There was a conversation this morning between Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times with Brock and Salk show, and they were talking, excuse me, the conversation, if I can speak today, took a little bit of a uh, weird turn when Brock asked, quite frankly, or excuse me, Salk asked about Jesse Winker. Like, uh, during Saturday's game when they announced all the, the players, I didn't really think about this when I was watching the, the introductions because it just passed, you know, slipped by, by, by my brain. They introduced Casey Sadler, who's been on the 60-day IL, no Jesse Winker. So he, they asked, well, where's Jesse Winker? Ryan Divish stated that Jesse Winker went home and was excused and sent home. Not, not excused. He was dismissed or told pretty much to go home after he got his second opinion for his neck injury. Um, Davis stated that players are quote tired of his act that Hanager prepares for games or over prepares for games while Winker is a complete opposite. This is exactly what we did not want to hear, but we probably needed to hear to really give us an understanding of what's really happening in the course of the locker room and the chemistry throughout the team. The fact that he didn't put in any work on his defense or worked out or lifted like the rest of, of the team does throughout the course of the week and he just expected to just show up and be able to ready to play is absolutely inexcusable. It's lazy. Um, I was incredibly excited and hyped like everybody else was when Jesse Winker came to Seattle as part of the Geno Suarez trade when we traded Brandon Williams and Jake Fraley. And I think it was one other pitcher. Uh, I can't remember who. I think it was yeah, Justin Dunn. That was who that was. Um, but it's just a bummer. Jesse Winker has completely fallen flat on his face in Seattle. He never really embraced our mantras of, of control the zone. Granted, he like was one of the top 10 uh, batters in all of baseball for drawing walks. That's just due to the fact that he's got a good eye at, at the plate. And he was more he was will, more willing, excuse me, as poor English as that sounds, to walk than to try and swing the bat and get on base. Uh, Dylan Moore had a better season overall average than him. Sam Haggerty had a better average than him. Uh, Luis Torrens, I believe, finished with a better batting average than him. Granted that their uh, batting opportunities for Torrens was considerably smaller and less than Winker. But they gave Winker every feasible opportunity to be a part of this, of this team. And he quite clearly, apparently, did not want to be a part of it. 
it's just the fact that, you know, Tom Murphy, who's rehabbing from his shoulder injury, right, traveled with his team to Canada, to, to, Toronto, uh, to, to Toronto, to Toronto, uh, to Minute Maid Park and to Texas and went with his team everywhere they went. He is a true leader and a staple of this locker room and this clubhouse. Jesse Winker, you decided, and I know some people are going to like this, some people aren't going to like this. This is this is the the bare bone facts, ladies and gentlemen. Jesse Winker chose his family over his Mariners family. That's what it came down to. You have a band of brothers. You play from February through through October, and you chose to say, "Look, um, it's been a, it's been a good ride, guys. I appreciate my, my my time here, but it's best for me just to go my own separate way and go home." It's selfish. It's lackadaisical. Um, I'm incredibly disappointed with his decisions and whatnot. He's a full grown ass man. He can do whatever, whatever he wants, but, um, don't expect any sympathy or expect for me to, you know, see people on Twitter saying, Jesse Maker deserves a second chance. You know where he deserves a second chance. He deserves a second chance somewhere that's not inside Seattle. We saw that, um, really there's only two options. Uh, I know I'm bouncing in here, but that's all for the same reason. There's only two feasible options for Jesse Winker for, to be a part of, of this team. Either he gets inside that lab, makes adjustments, he apologizes to the entire team, which I don't know how he, do, how he would because Adam Frazier lives on the opposite side of the country. A lot of players don't live locally, um, and the luck players are not going to be back like Frazier and stuff like that because he is an unrestricted free agent. But Jesse Winker, you aren't doing yourself any favors. You're digging the hole deeper and deeper. And if I'm Jesse Winker, I'm reaching out to Ryan Davish of the Seattle Times and sitting down with him and explaining and trying to like bring to light what's happening to try and save some of your public image because quite frankly your inability to play defense your subpar arm not not athletic at all you clearly put on a, a couple of pounds at least throughout the course of, of, of the season he looked really pudgy i'm not trying to body shame people it's not one what i'm here for but seattle's mantra of being athletic and playing, being tough to play against is literally nothing that Jesse Winker can match or bring to the table at this current time. In my personal opinion, Jared Kelenic played dividends in the playoffs solely due to his athletic ability and having his and having the range uh, to be able to cover from sideline to sideline on the left field stands. Um. I would possibly, if you're going to trade him, I think an opportunity to do that would be, if you're going to go down that avenue, is to trade him to Pittsburgh for a deal for Brian Reynolds. You could possibly package him. Taylor Trammell, maybe a Brian Wu to uh, for strictly four Reynolds would probably be enough. Trammell still has a fair amount of value. He has a lot of club control. Uh, Jesse Winker has bought out his arbitration, so he's pretty inexpensive. Uh, looking for a bounce back year from that. Also, you can see the Mariners trying to do a deal between that and David Bednar, who's a all-star relief arm, but that would obviously cause you or cost you more, even though he would be a core essential piece for upcoming season and would and fill kind of that Paul Seawald role that we're all so accustomed to. All right, so Seahawks, I've got some takeaways for you. Pete Carroll said that it was a good advancement on defense, especially without Al Woods. That was a promising thing to see, who was really a key cog and a leader of that defense overall. Six different guys recorded sacks, which is positive to see. Quentin Jefferson, uh, Monet, Ford all had really good games. Gerald Taylor had had, had a good game. Uh, Boy Mafe continues to impress in his time playing an outside linebacker, setting the edge on run defense. 
Uh, pass rush really fed off crowd noise. Pete was talking about really just allowing to just get that extra advantage of getting that quarter a second or half a second uh, burst is making a huge difference when it comes to uh, getting off the ball and creating more pressure and chaos in the backfield. A lot of love uh, for Ryan Neal in this game. He's been playing sound football in place of Josh Jones. Looks like Josh Jones has fallen out of rotation as he deserves to because he's struggled mightily so far this season, which is why Ryan Neal is back on, on the field. Pete was talking about Daryl Taylor showing flashes of what he showed last year with his ability to bend and showing the athletic traits, which is why they drafted him out of Tennessee a couple of years ago. And hopefully we can see that bounce back in back-to-back weeks. That would be a huge uh, advancement, or a huge help, and a huge addition to this defense. Puna Ford playing on the edge, where they made a great adjustment on that as well. Pete talked about the one-gap versus two-gap scheme Excuse me for Puna Ford. Be curious to see if they continue this next week against the Chargers, who offensive line is a bit banged up right now, to say the least. Uh, tons of interior pass rush. Puna Ford, Shelby Harris, Quentin Jefferson, Brian Monet causing havoc all over the field. Really just causing to, uh, Kyler Murray to run around the field like a chicken with its head cut off, for better lack of an analogy. And they really didn't have much of a running game. Benjamin was not didn't do much of anything, and it was pretty much Kyler Murray running whenever he could to try and get some rushing yards on the day. Tariq Wollin is just a different kind of beast. Pete was talking about how he's just, quote, seeing the field in a different lens right now, making mid-game adjustments. This is what you want to hear, especially with this guy that's currently on pace to be the rookie of the year without a doubt. Uh, probably comes down between him and Brees Hall right now for the two top running uh, rookies in football. Be curious to see how that develops throughout the rest of the season, but he's on track for rookie of the year as well as defensive player of the year with the four interceptions, the the forced fumble recoveries, and the and the blocked kick. Kobe Bryant's ball skills and IQ are just quite frankly off the charts. Pete's talking about how they were pleasantly surprised with his ability to cause forced fumbles. However, he's uh, he's got really good ball hand, uh, good hands for the ball. Uh, being the Jim Thorpe Award winner, he was renowned in college for getting interceptions. Be curious to see how that comes about into fruition this week against the Chargers. Um, he'll probably set up against like uh, Josh Palmer, stuff like that. DeAndre Carter, those guys. You'll see Mike Williams probably against Treek Woolen. Sounds like Keenan Allen for the Chargers is a probable for this week, but he was supposed to play this week against Denver, and that was unfortunately not able to happen. Rookie tackles said that uh, just steady play, learning week to week, handled their duties quite well and admirably against J.J. Watt and Marcus Golden. Uh, Gino just played, quote, a smart and precise football game. Nothing flashy from, from Gino. Shows some good bursts on the ability to run, especially getting to the outside edge, which is what you want to see from Gino Smith. Gino's been such a stalwart in this offense, really been a general. Um, we're not getting letting anything get too big for him, kind of just taking in the moments. And this is what you want to see from a quarterback like Geno Smith. We were talking about, uh, or uh, excuse me, on the Brock and Salk, about how when Pete Carroll was at USC, he had Matt Barkley, Carson Palmer, uh, Mark Sanchez. Uh, the, the whole list goes on, right? And they were all pocket quarterbacks. None of them were running quarterbacks, right, except for Matt Liner, who was a little bit more, uh, little bit more mobile, but still wasn't necessarily a runner by any means. Looks like this kind of Pete's back in his honey hole right now. And definitely seems as though the Seahawks are on the better side of the coin after that trade with Russell Wilson. Bruce Irvin, they uh, they, uh, Brock and Salk asked specifically about Bruce Irvin, if he was going to be able to make his appearance or his debut this week. And what uh, reason why? Why did you bring him in uh, to, to, to the team? Pete made it apparently clear. 
that he's making positive impressions at camp. He is TBD for Sunday. They needed a just a edge-setting, consistent, nasty edge player, which is why they brought in Bruce Irvin. He's in phenomenal shape, which is what you want to see for somebody, especially for his role with this defense and being kind of those unsung leaders to kind of see what happens as far as his role. Uh, as you know, the season's going to be interesting with how it plays out with when guys come back from injuries. Uh, Bam Johnson, apparently, they're really high on, which he played really well for them. But until he gets back from IR, which I believe is going to be a couple more weeks, it should be a couple more weeks with Bruce Irvin, and we'll see whether or not who sticks around on the roster between the two of them. And with that being said, it's time for the sponsored ad break for today. Do you enjoy quality, clean energy? Do you crash hard after the midday coffee? Check out Dubby Energy. Dubby Energy is a keto-friendly energy option for those who need a little pick-me-up throughout the long workday. No midday crashes or jitters. Dubby Energy provides a boost of tasty, crash, and jitter-free energy to help you conquer that busy day of yours. Free of artificial colors and dyes, and it's even sugar-free. Use code WSS to get 10% off your order today. Again, use capital WSS to get 10% off your order today. That is WENERGY, D-U-B-B-Y ENERGY.COM. Thank you. Uh, f- thank you for the sponsored ad break time. And we're going to hop into college football recap, and then we're going to walk it off for today. Utah beats Arizona 49-39, led by Michael Penix Jr., who posted 36-44 through the air for 516 yards, which was a UW passing record. Four touchdowns on the day. Romeo Odunze continues to show why he is going to be a wide receiver in the National Football League, posting a nine-reception, 169-yard, two-touchdown day. He is a very impressive wide receiver, big body, great hands, very aware and very smart when the ball is in the air, makes good decisive decisions, tracks the ball well, and has good field awareness, which is what you want to see when you go to the next level. Defensive end Martin for UW recorded nine total tackles, two tackles for loss, and two sacks. And an old uh, old Husky nemesis, Wazoo quarterback, or excuse me, ex-Wazoo quarterback, Jaden Delara went 25 of 34 through the air for 400 yards, four touchdowns. Both these quarterbacks were super efficient on the, the day. Um, Michael Penix missing on eight throws, Jaden Delora missing on nine throws. And uh, it's pretty impressive, especially when you throw for almost 80 passes and you only have, you know, see here, eight, you know, 15 misses on 80 attempts. That's a pretty efficient game on both sides of the ball. Unfortunately, Wazoo did lose to Oregon State this last weekend, 24 to 10. Cam Ward was 25 of 54. Not a great day. Uh, 345 yards, a touchdown, one interception, but he was sacked six times, which most of the time will not lead you to be playing winning football when you have that many sacks. The offensive line struggled, to say the least. Henley, the linebacker, again, posted another good game with 12 total tackles, four solos, and one tackle for loss. He continues to play and rise his draft stock as long as he can keep healthy, knock on wood, for him. The young man has a ton of talent and is uh, continuing to show the nation that he is well-deserving of national recognition for his play at the linebacker position as well. The walk-off for today is going to be short. Game 5 of the ALDS between the Cleveland Guardians and the New York Yankees is currently underway. I hope for Cleveland to win and advance in this series. It'd be a very healthy and a great moment for baseball to have the city of Cleveland back in the national spotlight of the ALCS. Um, I would be rooting for them as hard as I could against the Houston Astros due to the fact that I'm not an Astros fan whatsoever. But I also enjoy Jose Ramirez, Shane Bieber, uh... 
And they did Josh Naylor. They have a really good, really deep team. Uh, Andres Jimenez. They have a really, really good overall squad. I like their. Uh, there's they are just a good run overall organization, and uh, it's what you want to see, especially when you get down to playoff times, which is what you want to see different cities being able to create a bigger fan base for their team who has worked their butt off and got to where they are with hard work and determination. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's podcast. Again, if you haven't already, if you enjoyed this content, if you are new today or if you're uh, just kind of newer to the podcast, I want to thank everybody for taking the time out of their day for listening. I really do appreciate it. Everybody's got a busy day and busy work schedules, especially as we get closer on through the holiday seasons. But as always, say thank you. See us rise. Go Hawks and uh, go Guardians. I'll catch you guys tomorrow. Peace.